this evening. If you saw in the bulletin uh, from this morning, or even if you have one there in front of you, or you came in from the highway, not from the town section, and saw the board out in front of you, you may have seen that the title of tonight's message is Exercising at Church. It doesn't look like very many people came in their workout clothes, so as I kind of look across here, and so nobody was fooled by that, I guess, but we're not going to stand up and start stretching and do some sort of yoga or stretching or weightlifting or anything here in, in church, so don't worry. Um, but we are going to talk about exercising at church, using your gifts at church. And as I begin, I just want to be clear as to the direction that we are going this evening in line with our church series. Tonight's message is not going to be one on what are or are not the spiritual gifts. We're not going to necessarily go through and, and uh, all take an inventory on what our gifts are. Um, we will look kind of at Scripture as to what uh, some of the gifts listed in the Scripture are. But this is not one on what are or are not the gifts, or particularly which gifts have ceased and are which are still in use. I would encourage you to come to Sunday school if you would like to have a continued discussion on that. This isn't even to help you determine, like I said, what yours are. Hopefully you know those, and if not, then uh, after this we can uh, help you discover and discern what your gifts are. Tonight simply is to motivate you to use your gifts the gifts that you already have, that God has graciously given us, given to you. Each of us has both the privilege and the responsibility to use the gifts that God has given us. And so as we continue in our church series for the summer, now we are in a, in a, a section of messages on how the church functions. And so tonight I do want it to be extremely practical and extremely motivating to you, to each of us, to all of us here, to use our spiritual gifts. There's many passages to passages to choose from throughout the New Testament, and I would encourage you to read them and to study them. If you're taking notes here, I'll just list them for you so you know where to look. First in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, 28 to 30, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, and 28 to 30, but really the whole uh, uh, chapter of of 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 speak to this issue. Romans 12, which we read uh, just a moment ago, is a great section of Scripture, 3 to 8, Romans 12, 3 to 8. And Ephesians 4, 11 also uh, speaks to uh, four of the gifts. And then lastly is the passage that we will be looking at tonight from 1 Peter chapter 4. You may remember just as a background, if, if you've ever taken a, a Sunday school class or heard preach that the book of 1 Peter is written to Jewish believers scattered and persecuted for their faith. And so this is where we find ourselves tonight in 1 Peter chapter 4 is in the midst of great passages on suffering. And I would highly recommend this book to you. You want some practical advice, you want encouragement in light of the days that we live in, then I would highly recommend to you of reading 1 Peter, but particularly chapter 4. And so I want to read for us tonight now to set before you God's word in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. Listen here as I read this passage of Scripture. 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment 
and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A great passage of Scripture one that comes, like I said, in the midst of these, this suffering, these suffering believers, and Peter's writing to these people, and he includes this great passage, a sobering passage, one that brings us to uh, attention. We are alert when we come to this passage here. Ultimately, all these things are to live for the glory of God, but just as we survey it, we have a sense of urgency in this passage, that their time is running short, We're to be on the alert even more, and how timely for us tonight. It's urgent, especially in light of the message that we heard preached this morning in the coming rapture. Christ, the imminent uh, rapturing of the church that could happen at any moment. Time is running short. And so we live for the glory of God. There's this urgent uh, feel to this entire passage, and with particularly uh, four, here four areas that they are to be of sound judgment and of sober spirit. For the purpose, first, of prayer. Second, verse 8, is for the love for one another. Verse 9 is third, be in hospitality. Be hospitable to one another. Living for the glory of God in the midst of persecution, in the midst of urgent times, in light of Christ's return, we are to be, take pains for these things. We are to be of sound judgment and of sober spirit, alert devoting ourselves to these things, prayer, love for one another, hospitality, and finally, the using of our gifts. And so we're going to focus in, we're going to hone in now on verses 10 and 11. Notice here, follow along, I just want to take us through these verses, expositionally walking through here, seeing, looking at each word. Verse 10 then begins, as each one has received a special gift. Everyone has one. Look here. If you can look at me, and you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. There's no excuses. You're not excluded. God hasn't overlooked you or missed you, or you're not a misfit or a reject. Everybody has a gift as a believer. There's no excuses. Nobody is left out. But as to each one, we've all received a special gift. Notice this word here. It's a gift, a special gift that we have received. How many have gotten a gift on their birthday before? All of us. Who's gotten gifts at Christmas time? Probably all of us. We've all received a gift from our grandparents, from our parents, from friends, from coworkers, from a spouse, maybe even a cute one from your child. But we've all been given gifts. Your gifts don't belong to you. Your gifts have been given to you. They've been graciously given to you by another person, bought, purchased for you. Each one has received a special gift. So that's everybody. That's included. That's the who here we have. So why? Why do we use these? Why are we given these gifts? Why does God now give us these gifts? I'm glad you asked. 
Peter tells us here. Employ it in serving one another. Why do we have gifts? To serve one another. God has given you this gift to share. He graciously gives us gifts so that we would share it with other people. Not to be hoarded, not to be kept, not to be selfish, not to be like the little child who says, it's mine, and cling to it tightly, holding on to its possession. But rather we are to use it in such a way that we would serve other people. It's not ours. As we look at 1 Corinthians 12 too, one of the passages that I mentioned to you, this is especially true here. Paul includes this time and time again in, in 1 Corinthians 12. They, they've been given these gifts for the service of other people, for the building up of the body. And yet they are neglecting that. They're misusing their gifts. And yet they are to use them as a means to edify one another. Your gifts have not been given to you so you can be prideful in and of yourself. Your gifts have been given to you so that you can share them with one another. I need you. The church needs you. You may have noticed this is a common theme in our church series. The church is about belonging, about being together, about worshiping together, about serving together, about learning together. The same is true when it comes to these spiritual gifts. And so we're to use them when serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You and I are simply stewards of these gifts. We've been given to, be, to use them wisely. Not to hoard them. Not to preserve them. but to use them in such a way that blesses other people as good stewards of this manifold, this diverse, this this variegated grace of God, of the gospel in itself. God's grace given to you. Think about that. The the, the idea, the the motivation behind why we share our gifts with one another is that we've been shared, God has shared with us graciously His special gifting. He's made each of us unique, given each of us special, unique gifts. That God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth, the creator of you and I, who chose us before the foundation of the world, and His grace, in His grace, He has given to us these special gifts. You and I are to be stewards, managers, taking care of them, honing them like a precious jewel taking great care of something that does not belong to us. If someone gives you their jewelry, you take better care of it than maybe if it was your own because it belongs to somebody else. And one day they may come and, and ask for it back. It's simply true. This is biblical principles of all finances or resources, is it not? All things belong to God. Nothing belongs to us. One day he may come back and call account for it. We're to multiply it wisely. The same is true of these great resources of gifts that have been given to us. And so Paul, or Peter rather, here begins this section with the the why, the motivation, making sure that everybody's at attention, not leaving anybody out, not just saying no, only the superstars, but bringing us back here that everyone has received a special gift. And so this is why, this is how we are to use it. 
And so then we get to the question, well, what are these gifts? Will you mention some for us, Peter? What are, what are my gifts? And Peter doesn't, unfortunately, he doesn't give us a detailed list. He uses two broad categories of gifts. And I think it's safe to say that all gifts that God gives will fall under these two categories. He uses two generic terms here for gifts. The first being speaking. Look here with, at verse 11 with me. Whoever speaks, it's a general term for general talking. It's not, there's not even necessarily any teaching or, or uh, instruction implied here. It's just uh, the same word of casual conversation, of you and I speaking to one another. And so he says, uh, this is in light of gifts, and so he says, but whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. So here the gift, how are we to use it? As though God is giving the very words. This is, and this is very profound. We're to speak, and using our gifts, if it involves speaking, we're to speak in such a way as though God himself were giving us words. And when you think about that, that's, that's dangerous ground to tread on. But we're to have careful, cautious speech particularly when exercising these type of spiritual gifts. What are these spiritual gifts? Well, they fall they, such as teaching, exhortation, evangelist, other gifts, be examples of these. But notice here that the idea of speaking as though God has given the words, that means that we're not to be careless with our words. Our words in speaking using our spiritual gift are not to be our own ideas. We're not to uh, push our own agenda We're not to speak selfishly or simply because we like the sound of our own voice. No, rather when we speak using our spiritual gift, we're to do so reverently, confidently, and first and foremost, biblically. How do you know if you have a speaking gift? What's a marker that if if you've been gifted, you've been given a special gift to speak? Ask yourself this question. Do you have the ability to see teachable moments? That as you interact with people, do you see where biblical truth could, could interject itself into that situation, to speak to that situation? Do you see teachable moments? You know, speaking gifts are not just what I'm doing right here. We have biblical counseling, gifts of exhortation, evangelism. Do you see when the Word of God can speak to a situation? Do you see teachable moments? Well, then you very well may have a speaking gift. Do you lack a platform? Do you lack opportunity? Well, God will provide it. If it's a gift that He's given, you truly want to use it for the building up of God's people, He will give an opportunity maybe through preaching, maybe through teaching Sunday school, maybe through teaching children, maybe just through general conversation that you have with people. People come to you looking for counsel. People come looking for advice. Are you using your speaking gift? Do you have the ability to see these teachable moments? And are you using it in such a way that you are treading carefully, reverently, confidently, and biblically with your words? And so that's the first big broad category of speaking gifts. 
But that's not the only broad category. Again, I said there were two. And so as we continue on, Peter says, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Again, another broad category, another general term. It's the same word for deacon, meaning that you are serving or tending to another's needs, that you are bringing relief, providing help, which God gives. These type of gifts are such as mercy, helps, administration. Other ones where you come alongside that you tend to another's needs and bring relief. How do you know if you have this gift? Again, ask a similar question. Do you have the ability to see what needs done? Do you walk into a situation and you see things that need done? And can you do that? Well, you may have a serving gift. How are we to do it then? Similar to how we're to speak. We speak as though we're speaking the very words of God. We serve with the very energy, with the very strength that God gives us. What does this mean? This means that we don't serve, that we don't serve to be seen. We don't serve to be noticed. We don't serve to be outworked, to outwork others. We don't serve so it's done my way. Because you have that particular way that you want it done, so you're going to do it because nobody else can do it quite right the way that you would do it. That's the wrong motivation. That's not serving with the, way, with, with the strength that God gives. What else? It means that you don't serve because you have more energy than other people. I think Romans 12, verses 3 and 4 spoke to that, didn't they? How then do we serve with the strength that God gives? means that we serve with the mind, with the heart, with the motivation of the growth of the church. That we want the church to be built. That we want the church to grow. That we want the spread of the gospel. That we want things done excellently and for the Lord, not just haphazardly or by the seat of our pants. Serving with the strength that God provides also means that, we, that we're motivated, that we serve with a love of neighbor. This is what it means to serve with the strength that God provides. Do you have a serving gift? Do you have the ability to see what needs done? Then go and do it. And so we've already seen why we do this. We've already seen why, why we speak, why we serve, why we've been given spiritual gifts. Specifically, we do it for the building up of one another. We all need one another. This church needs you to use your gift. God has given you a gift very specifically for this church and for the building up of this church. He has gifted you in such a way for the advancement of the gospel through this church. And we all need that. We need you to use your gift. And ultimately, verse 11 ends with, with, a, with a higher calling. If love of neighbor and the building up of the church and serving one another, edifying and encouraging one another, if that's not enough for us, then look how verse 11 ends. So that, that's a marker for us, right? That sums up all things. It's a summary statement. So that in all things... So Peter's concluding this paragraph here, bringing us back to the four things, even bigger than spiritual gifts. We pray, we love one another, we're hospitable, and we use our spiritual gifts so that in all things, 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the one who's building the church, the one who's uh, focused now, the one whose mission now is the building up of his church, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love that term. I, I love when we come across passages like this in the Bible. It's, we see it smattered throughout the Old and the New Testament. That glory and dominion, honor, majesty, these things belong to the Lord. They belong to him. They can't be taken away. Nobody will ever defeat him. Nobody will ever take away the title because glory and dominion belong to God. And that's, in, that's incredible. We first see this in Genesis 49, even in the promise of the, of the Savior. And he says, when Shiloh will come. And Shiloh in Hebrew means the, to whom it belongs. When to whom it belongs comes. In reference to the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And these things belong to him. And so we do all of these things. You, God has given you a gift so that he might be glorified. You use your gifts ultimately for God's glory, not your own glory, your own passing and fading away glory. But we use our gifts so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, through his son, the one whom he sent on our behalf. To whom glory and dominion belong forever and ever. Amen. Glory and dominion forever belong to Jesus. Let that sink in for a little bit. I could go into a whole tangent on this. There's a couple books that I want to write. This is a little timeout commercial. But one book I want to write, that To Whom It Belongs, and the other, But God. Those are two great themes throughout the whole scripture. The But God passages, when, when he interjects himself, but then this, the, to one to whom it belongs. And uh, just a fascinating thing, that glory and dominion forever belong to Jesus. Whoever won the Super Bowl, next year it'll probably be a different team. I don't even remember who won last year. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. It doesn't matter. It's inconsequential. But who does glory and dominion forever belong to? Jesus. And we will never forget that. We will never, ever forget that. All this is couched in the light of the end, right? Bringing us back to verse 7, that the end of all things is near this urgent call to believers it sobers us it brings us to reality the rapture could happen at any moment so use your gifts you know i think it's fascinating as i was considering this passage and preaching this passage throughout this week you know that i have a two-year-old and i have not taught him the word mine I don't, you know, I try to be very deliberate in how I parent him and how I teach him. Aaron and I both, uh, I don't do it singularly, but we together collectively try to be very uh, strategic in how we teach him. The words that we teach him and things, we speak to him as an adult and, and stuff to help build his vocabulary. But I don't know that I've ever taught him the word mine. And yet he's learned it. Maybe in the nursery, maybe in his uh, Mother's Day out thing. I don't know, but he has learned it. But I don't know that maybe, maybe I think it's just ingrained in all of us. We're all selfish at nature. 
But he's learned this, and he clings to his toys. He has it, and he may not even be playing with it, but if I take it off the table, that's mine. My blanket, my toy, my cup, mine, 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 mine. After a while, I got it, and I said, no, actually, that's mine, because I paid for it. And I was like, then I was convicted. I was like, it's not mine, because it belongs to you, Lord. And so now I've taught him that it belongs to the Lord. And no, it's the Lord's, it's not yours. And yet many of us might be guilty of this same greed and selfishness, the same lack of love for others. We are hoarders, we are scrooges, we hold tightly to the things that have been graciously given to us. And the kicker in all of this is that the toys don't even belong to Malachi, and our gifts don't even belong to us. The child, Malachi, didn't work to obtain those toys. He didn't earn them. He didn't do anything to give them. They're likely a gift from me or his grandparents. And neither are our spiritual gifts. Nothing has changed from the nursery to the worship center. Nothing has changed from the children's building to the family life center. From the playground to the fellowship hall, the problem is still the same. And God has graciously given us, each of us, gifts. And some of us just hold on to them. We just cling to them. We use them for our own good. We use them so we might be noticed. Nothing has changed. And yet we scold and spank and give consequences to the young child. I think there's some excuses why we have for neglecting our gift, for being spiritual gift hoarders. So I've come up with the top 10 excuses for neglecting our gifts. The first excuse, we're too busy. Kids stuff, work stuff, grandkids. I don't have time to use my gift. Too busy. Hear it all the time. Too, uh, can't commit to that. Too busy. Uh, got a full schedule. Can't, can't commit to that. Second excuse, well, the church doesn't offer that ministry. My spiritual gift is working with college students, and we don't have very many college students here. So I I can't use my gift here. Or whatever else. The church doesn't offer that ministry, so I, I, I know my spiritual gift, but I can't. Third excuse, you're scared. You're too nervous. You don't want to take on the responsibility. You're afraid. You're fearful. And so you go on neglecting your gift. The fourth excuse maybe is, I'm not gifted. Now none of us should be able to say that, right? Now we know that we all have gifts. As believers, God has given each of us a spiritual gift, a special gift. And so maybe now it's, well, I don't know my gift. And I'm too lazy to figure it out. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can serve. I don't know how I can speak. The fifth excuse, nobody's asked me. I know my gifts, but nobody's asked me. The pastor didn't ask me. The children's ministry elder, he didn't ask me. I, nobody asked me, so I'm not going to step up. 
someone would just ask me, oh yeah, I'd be more than happy to. But nobody's asked me. So go on neglecting the gift. Sixth excuse is, well, somebody else already does it. I'm a really good preacher, but you guys already have a preacher, so I can't use my gift here. Or someone already, you know, they beat me to the sign-up to cook on Wednesday nights. So I, somebody already else does it. The spot's already filled, so I, I don't have, there's no room for me. Seventh excuse, not important enough. My gift, it doesn't really matter. It's not important. Or on the flip side, is I only want a really important job. That job is too menial. That's below my pay grade. I've been, I've been given a really special gift, and so to do that, let the, let the young people do that, or let, let somebody else do that. It's not important enough. Eighth excuse is I live too far away. Can't come to, I, I can't commit to that many things. I can't make the drive to church all that often. Can't afford the gas. Live, I, I just live too far away. The ninth excuse is I can't commit to something that big. Can't, I can't commit to something that regular, something that consistent. Can't, can't do that every week. Maybe every once in a while, but my, uh, I can't commit to that. And the final excuse that I think we have for neglecting our spiritual gifts is I don't know enough. Or I don't know how to use it. I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know where to begin. And so instead of trying, instead of doing something about it, just don't do anything. These are the top ten excuses, I think, for neglecting our gifts. There's maybe many more. Maybe you fall into one of these, maybe not. So now the question is, well, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? We already see that we've all been given a gift. We already know why we do it, for the building up of other people and ultimately for the glory of God. We know what the gifts fall under, speaking and serving gifts. So how do I fulfill my ministry assignment? How do I start exercising at church? You see, because gifts are how we, how we exercise, how we build one another up, how we maintain our spiritual health, and how we ensure the spiritual health of those around us. Because God has given us gifts to build up one another. So how do I start exercising? How do I start using my gift? This is assuming that you know what your gift is. But initially just like we would start any old workout plan, just like we would start any sort of, of uh, uh, diet or weight loss or exercise program, just like you would start any sort of training regimen, is the, first, the first step is you need to get a plan. You need to get a plan. You need to get a routine. You know, and fall is just weeks away. Did you realize that? It's the end of July, and it's about to be August, and school is about to start. I know, kids, that is like worst news of the world but fall is just weeks away and here at our church in, in the fall you know things ramp up we have new sunday schools new ministries things uh, kick back into high gear after a little bit of a summer hiatus 
until summer, or fall, summer is ending and fall is just around the corner. So find your place. Get a plan. There's plenty of uh, things to do. Ask yourself, as you see in the bulletin, as you get the emails from the church as to new ministries and things starting up and volunteers needed, say, well, where, where do I see a need? What would be most helpful? Go with that, would my help be helpful? Just impose yourself on something. And then, can I meet it? Good news clubs are about to start up. Awanas is about to start up. There's ongoing service projects for people in our church, here at the church, and in one another's homes. The meals are starting on Wednesday night. There's when people are sick or having a baby or need help, there's meals to be made. There's mowing to be done. There's cards to be sent, praying, prayer requests to be done. There's ushering to be done. There's sound booths to work. There's, there's no end of opportunities. Sunday school classes to teach, children to teach. So get a plan. Where do you see a need? Where do you see a teachable moment? And can I meet that need? Can I help in that situation? So get a plan and get to work. Secondly, if you, you got a plan, well then, and you need a coach. Get a coach, right? Ask your elder if you're not sure what to do. We're all under shepherding groups. Ask your elder, is there something that I can do? Where do you see a need? Where do we need help? Ask the deacons. Ask the staff. Call the church office. There's always things that can be done. Always help that is needed. Always opportunities to use your spiritual gift. God has given you a special gift for a specific purpose. He has put you in this church for a specific reason, for a specific service, for a specific opportunity. Do you think he would put you here in according to his will, give you specific gifts and then not give you an opportunity to use it? Assuming that you are walking in his will, that you are following after him, that you're not walking in sin. Do you think he would put you here and not give you a gift, not give you an area to serve? I don't think so. This is all for his glory. He's not, he's, he knows what he's doing. So get your plan, get a coach. No more excuses, no more hoarding, no more laziness. Just like a coach in training, a trainer, someone who comes alongside and can cheer you on, can, can uh, hold you accountable, make sure you're sticking to the plan. Find someone who can help you with that. If you don't have an area that you are already currently serving in, or you know that you can be using your gifts wider and broader, deeper, more frequently, commit to within six weeks, fall's about to start, that within six weeks, you will be regularly actively and scheduled involved here exercising at church using your gifts for the service of others set a goal that within six weeks you will you will be working that you will be using your gift determining what it is having a plan and then get in the habit isn't that what exercising is about that you go and it just becomes routine. You have accountability. You've got your plan. You know what you need to do. You have everything lined out in front of you. And then you just need to make it a habit, don't you? You wake up and I need to go to the gym. Know that I'm going to. And as soon as we stop doing that, then things just set in and it goes by the wayside. It takes time to get in the habit. But just one day of missing, getting up and working out or running or whatever you're doing, just one day of missing that and then... And it's several days, and it's easy to miss many more days. 
So in regards to your spiritual gifts, get in the habit. Wake up each morning and ask yourself, how will I use my special gift for the building up of believers in the glory of God? Ask yourself every morning. Set a reminder on your iPhone to remind you with your alarm. And it comes on, you know, at 6.05 or whatever, and you look at it. And the question there, how will I serve the Lord? Put a note, put a sign above your bed. You sleep on, on your back, up on the ceiling above you, put a sign, how will I use my gift today? So as soon as your eyes wake up, there you see it. And then reflect as you go back to bed that night. Reflect back and say, how did I use my gift today for the building up of believers and for the glory of God? And especially ask yourself this on the Lord's Day. Do it every day. Serve the body of Christ every day if you can. But especially ask this on the Lord's Day. How can I be actively involved in serving or speaking on the Lord's Day for the building up of God's people? What can I do to ensure these days honor God or about worship? Ask yourself these things. There's many who do behind the scenes. Obviously, you see preachers getting up to use their gift on a Sunday. So, but then those get highlighted because they're right out in front. But that's not the only gift. Those, those, the, all of us have been given a special gift as a, a part of the body of Christ. You may be an arm, you may be a leg, you may be a hip, you may be a nose, you may be an ear. But it's all necessary for the functioning of the body of Christ here gathered at Kerrville Bible Church. Are you using your gift? The person sitting next to you needs you to use your gift. The children here need you to use your gift. The parents here need you to use your gift. Because spiritual gifts here, we here, the gifts that God has graciously given us, are Christ's means for the building up of his church. So let's get to work, shall we? Let's use our gifts for the sake of others, but ultimately for the sake of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you much great, uh, much thanks that you have sought fit, that you have sought fit to give us these gifts according to your grace, according to your varied and manifold, according to your unique and multicolored grace. That you've given us just mere humans, lowly, sinful people, that you have saved us and then equipped us and empowered us for, to have a very special role in the building up of your church, the proclamation of the gospel here in this body of believers and around the world. God, thank you for these gifts. Thank you that you have made each of us unique, not just in our personal appearance, not just in our personality, but in the special gifts that you have given us. And convict us if we are not using our gifts and show us a place to serve God. Pray that we would each and, and every one of us be found to be good stewards that when you call us to account for how we used our gifts, you would find us faithful and true to the things that you have equipped us and called us to do. 
Thank you for preparing beforehand the good works set for us. Thank you for each and every person that is in here and how you have uniquely gifted them. Thank you for the, the blessing that they are to me personally, to the people sitting here, to Kerrville Bible Church at large. Thank you for making such a diverse and unique uh, spectrum of people that gather together under the unity of Jesus Christ, all serving, speaking, as though we're serving and speaking of you. Thank you for this time that we've gathered together now, God. Pray that you would find us worshipful in this final song as we close. In Christ's name, amen.